Um, two things I want to do this evening, uh, if that's okay. Uh, the f- first one is to see from this, these verses, from Exodus, the end of Exodus 15, um, something of how God's healing is bigger and more certain than what first comes to mind when we hear that God heals. So that's the first thing. The second thing is just to offer you maybe four thoughts, reflections on approaching healing today as followers of Jesus, especially thinking a sort of physical healing, um, you know, healing from sickness. Uh, so those are the two things I'm hoping to do this evening. And, and I'm aware I want to tread carefully um, this evening. And if it feels like I don't, and it feels like I, I walk um, painfully over some raw wounds that you might be carrying, um, forgive me. And just to say, you know, if, if stuff comes up through um, what I'm sharing uh, this evening, and you'd like to pray, I'll, I'll be around at the end of the service. Um, we can arrange a, a time to, to chat and to pray, or there'll be others uh, in the church who'd be happy to do that with you. Uh, so the first thing I want us to do and to see is to notice that God's healing is bigger, more certain than we first imagine. Because Exodus 15, those, those end verses that Andrew's read, it's not the kind of story we expect to go to for God to reveal that he is the God who heals. Why is that? Well, quite obviously, there's, there's no fixed limbs. There's no restoring of sight. There's no giving hearing to the deaf. There's no paralyzed people walking. Instead, what do we, what do we find? Uh, we find some bitter water and some grumbling people. And perhaps as you heard at the story being read out, you, you kind of feel a bit of sympathy because people, I do. I, I mean, they're three days into a journey in the desert, the desert of Shur. The water bottles are empty. They're running on empty. And three days in, they're probably on the edge of what you can survive on without water. And they arrive at this place called uh, Mara at verse 23, finally, there's water we can drink. You can imagine them going down to scoop it up and and they spit it out straight away. It's undrinkable. It's foul tasting. It's bitter. Three days ago, where were they? Well, if you glance back, uh, we we spot that there's quite a long song in the rest of Exodus 15. And why are they singing? Because God has just led them through the Red Sea. Three days ago, they'd been walking through the Red Sea. God had opened up the sea before them, closed it over their enemies. They'd been singing and they'd been right next to all this water. And now they're in the desert, away from the water. What's going on? So verse 24, the people grumbled against Moses, saying, what are we to drink? It's easy, isn't it, to have some sympathy with them? I think I, think I would be joining in their grumbling if I'm brutally honest with myself. And yet there is something about this story that we need to realize that, yeah, they were grumbling. But they were also forgetting the Lord who was leading them. Three days ago, God had done an astonishing miracle involving water. Hadn't he? And in their very recent history, when they were living in Egypt, and God had brought the plagues upon the Egyptians. Anyone know what the first plague was? Here's a test for you. You didn't come for a Bible quiz this evening, did you? Anyone know what it is? Not blood. The Nile, water, 
turns up another miracle involving water. So in their recent history, they've got a miracle involving water. They've got another miracle involving water. They turn it to a place where there's water. It's undrinkable. And instead of expecting God to do something, they grumble to Moses. And I think that is something of the feel of these, these verses. We don't want to downplay their situation. Their thirst was real. The situation would have been serious. They would have been under pressure. And God never wants us to downplay our situations. Um, just because we follow Jesus, somehow that life's got to be really easy and simple and not hard. But what he wants us to do is in those moments to turn to him in trust. What we find here is God's people don't turn to him in trust. They turn to Moses to grumble. And it's as if, you know, any body of water that you come up to, you peer into, what, what do you see back? You see yourself, don't you? And it's as if the waters here in Mara, as God's people looked in at this bitter water, what did they see back? They saw a reflection of themselves. They discovered they had bitter hearts. And so Moses does what the people don't do. Do you see that in... in um, Verse 25, then Moses cried out to the Lord. He cries out to the Lord. And what does God do? Is he bitter towards his people? No. He's incredibly kind. He's, he's gracious. He's compassionate. He shows uh, Moses, verse 25, a piece of wood, which if he throws into the water will make it fit to drink. And this experience of God's grace of God turning this bitter water into water that can be uh, drunk is, is designed to, one, expose God's people that their, their hearts were bitter, but also to bring them to a God of grace who can change their hearts and longs to lead them in his ways, to be trained in God's ways, to be shaped to reflect him in their lives. Verse 26, if you listen carefully to the Lord your God, verse 26, sorry, to the Lord your God and do what is right in his eyes, if you pay attention to his commands and keep all his decrees, I will not bring on you any of the diseases I brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. Instead of experiencing judgment, like the Egyptians did with the plagues, they're to receive freedom and life. Why? For I am the Lord who heals you. But as we see this story, God is giving us a much bigger picture of healing than we first imagine. When we first hear of God healing, we, we jump to the physical healing, I think, to the healing from sickness. And yet when God heals, he first directs his aim at people's hearts and at their souls. So just as that water in Mora reflected back the bitterness of God's people, and he's healing their hearts. Uh, so it's true for us. I was in with the children this morning over in the memorial hall, and we were looking at some of the miracles, some of the healings of Jesus. And we are having a conversation. Uh, and I had a conversation with one girl who must be five, maybe six years old, saying, well, what does God heal? And we listed various things. And he says, she said, he heals our hearts. Absolutely. And then uh, one, of the, one of the boys in the group, I think he must be eight, um, said, he heals us from our sin. I mean, let's hear it from a five-year-old and an eight-year-old. That is, that is 
the healing that God starts with. Bitter water, to make it fit to drink, needed a piece of wood. Bitter hearts, to make them fit for God, what do they need? They need a piece of wood. A different piece of wood to the one Moses threw in. We need the cross of Christ. That is the healing, the true healing for bitter hearts. Because it's only at the cross of Christ, his death in our place, his resurrection, that can truly heal our hearts, heal our souls, lead us away from judgment, uh, to bring us into freedom, into life, to live God's ways, to live out God's will. And the wonderful thing is, what God starts, he completes. The healing that begins in our hearts, one day becomes a healing of everyone, of everything. As we gather this evening, um, millions of Christians around the world, and as we think sort of down through history, how many Christians will have met on a Sunday and gathered their voices together to say the words of the Apostles' Creed? And the third part of that says, I believe in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, I don't know what comes next, the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting. What God starts, he completes. Just think of that for a moment. There will be a day, no cancer, no cataracts, no chicken pox, no chronic illness. There will be no A&E departments, no ambulances, no asthma, no diabetes, no dialysis, no depression. No wheelchairs, no walking sticks, no weeping. You kind of understand why the last but one verse of the Bible is, Amen! Come, Lord Jesus. What God starts, he will complete the healing he begins in our hearts, taking them from being bitter to being tender. is a healing he will take to full completion. The Lord heals. He is the Lord who heals us. He targets the heart first. And at the resurrection, all will be well. All will be well. And at the end of our reading in Exodus 15, we find at God's people in this place, um, Elim. And we're told there are 12 springs of water, 70 trees, 70 palm trees. It's a place of water and shade, a place of refreshment and rest. For God's people, it was a little glimpse for them as they journey out of Egypt through the Red Sea through the wilderness of the promised land that's to come. And so in the same way as Christians, as we have been taken out from slavery and sin, as we've gone, we've passed through, if you like, the waters, as we now maybe are in the wilderness, waiting to get to the promised land, there are moments and places like Elim for us. Healings. Healings of sickness that give us a glimpse, a taster, a trailer of what's to come. Every healing of sickness speaks of a deeper healing that has already begun and is an offer to anyone who believes. The healing of our hearts. And every physical healing that we might hear about, we might have ourselves, we might experience, tells us 
of that final healing that will come when we are raised to life. God's healing is much bigger than we first imagined. And because of the resurrection hope, it's more certain than we first imagined. And for help us see that, well, that's why we need a story about bitter water and grumpy people. And as I've been looking through this story, it's, it's kind of given me four reflections, I think. And particularly in thinking about how we approach, how we think about healing of sickness as followers of Jesus today. And the first, the first one is to allow those times when we're ill, when others around us are ill, when we hear of illness or suffering around us, as opportunities to examine our own hearts. Just as the waters in Mara um, gave God's people that reflection. So the times when we are sick, it's, it's an opportunity for us to reflect on the state of our own hearts. Now, that's not saying that sickness is there just because of what's going on in our hearts. It's not as simple as that. But sickness gives us that opportunity to reflect, to examine our hearts. What, what do we see there? What's growing there? Is it bitterness? Or is it trust? Because sometimes it's in those moments of sickness or when sickness is around us or we're just aware of the brokenness and suffering in the world that it just exposes something that maybe is hidden in our hearts that God needs to deal with by his spirit. The second reflection I have is in those moments where we suffer, particularly with sickness, how quick I am to grumble, to talk to somebody and grumble about it. And I don't do what Moses did, and that is to cry out to the Lord. It's not a case that if you pray more, you're more likely to get healed or anything like that. But it's to allow those situations of sickness to draw us to the God who heals. To pour out our hearts before him. To call out to the Lord knowing that he will hear us. And he'll answer our prayer. And when it comes to prayers of healing, can I suggest there are only ever two answers? Yes. Wait. We can be absolutely certain that God will answer prayers for healing. Yes. Or wait. How do we know that? Because of the resurrection hope that we are given. It's not a question of will God answer prayers for healing, but when will he answer our prayers for healing? So we're to examine our hearts, we're to, to call out to the Lord. Uh, the third one is to, to look for God's provision, his, his healing provision. In the story, Moses is told, look, the tree, the place of our deepest and greatest healing now comes when we look at the tree. That tree that turns bitter hearts to tender hearts, the cross. Remembering Isaiah's word of, uh, words about the suffering servant, by his wounds we are healed. That's the place of healing. That's the place of forgiveness. That's where our soul's thirst is quenched. That's where we get the promise of resurrection, when all will be well. All healing is a gift from Jesus, either in his role as our creator or in his role as our redeemer. As those who are, belong to Jesus, we can see God's healing uh, through Jesus in, in, I think, four different ways. And I've pinched these four things uh, from this book. by, um, well, The chapter's written by Andrew Wilson. The book's written by uh, him and his wife, Rachel. 
uh, the life you never expected, thriving while parenting special needs children. Uh, and he gives us four ways we see how God heals. Uh, the first one is just look at God's design for our bodies. How our bodies heal. You cut yourself, scabs over, a few weeks later, it's gone. Second one, when somebody is immediately healed in response to prayer to Jesus. The third one, God heals through the incredible provision that we have of medical care. If you were to get in a time-traveling machine and go back 100 years and describe what we have available to us, they would say that's miraculous. Fourthly, when the trumpet sounds and the dead are raised, never to perish, clothed with immortality and death is swallowed up in victory. That's how God heals. The design of our bodies, immediately in response to prayer through Jesus, and through his provision of what's around us, through the resurrection to come. And so the fourth reflection from, from this about how we approach healing today is that whatever's going on for us, we keep living God's ways. We've had our bitter hearts healed by Jesus. What God has begun, he will complete. Whether we get the glimpses of the resurrection that through healing of sickness now or we don't, it's not a reflection on how good our faith is, how big our faith is. It's not a reflection of the size of God's love for us. Instead, it's an opportunity for us to trust in the God who says, I am the Lord who heals you. That is what God says to us this evening. I am the Lord who heals you. And to respond, I'm going to give us a couple of minutes to be quiet before the Lord. Maybe there's something there to, to pray through. Maybe, maybe you're carrying somebody on your heart who is suffering, who is sick, who is struggling. And just spend some time crying out to God for them. Maybe it's for yourself. Maybe it's because getting to church this evening felt like climbing the north face of the altar. Maybe you are carrying a wound. Maybe you are carrying a sickness. Cry out before the Lord.